Welcome to Coast to Ghost. I'm Carly. And I'm Bee. And we're two friends that met each other working at Build-A-Bear a while ago. And now we tell spooky stories to keep each other entertained. Yeah. <laughs> that was so enthusiastic. Jazz hands. So, it's been, um, welcome back, guys. I know it's been a couple weeks, but thanks for sticking out. <laughs> Yeah, thank you guys for uh, sticking it out. I actually loved the last episode we put out, so um, that was a good one to leave you guys on a break mm-hmm. with. Like, Yeah, and we're back for a couple more episodes before we start season two of Coast to Ghost Dog. Yeah, season two is going to get like a total, total like makeover, makeover extreme re-haul. makeover podcast edition. <laughs> extreme make- I'm also going to ignore the fact that you said dog. we're actually changing the name to coast to dog coast to dog honestly that sounds terrible that does sound really bad just ignore me everybody (laughs) i did um yeah before i ask you a question i totally cut you off you can say no you go first first. yeah before i ask you a question i do want to give you guys disclaimers about the audio of this episode it might be a little choppy because my landlords are replacing the floor upstairs they have moments where they're quiet so hopefully this is one of those moments um i'm also nursing a cold so i sound disgusting i got some allergies yeah we sound very nasally so (laughs) total heads up thanks guys yeah Yeah. you don't have to call us out for it they're they're gonna call us out for it yeah yeah absolutely i'm gonna get like four text messages like why do you sound like a fucking (laughs) ogre right now so (laughs) my friends are very kind and supportive it sounds like it (laughs) so so kind and supportive so the question i have for you today is what is your favorite campfire story like urban legendy campfire story hmm i feel like i need to prepare for your questions and i like don't because i don't know your questions (laughs) i don't know my questions until this very moment (laughs) what i don't know I don't know. What's yours? I really like um, the the classic, like, Lover's Lane story where it's, like, two teenagers in the car and then, like, oh, a killer like with a hook. Oh, murderer comes in. Yeah, and the classic radio broadcast that's, like, this man escaped from the insane asylum. Right. You shouldn't be out here making out. <laughs> I love that. Right. Which is actually, it's based off of a true story, which I definitely, next season, I'm probably going to cover it. Um, because that urban legend, urban legends come from something. And that one right. is possibly that has one of the best and most morbid backstories. So it's, it's just always stuck with me and you can always have like 15 different iterations of it. Dude's got a hook for a hand or a chainsaw. Who the fuck knows? Mine is probably actually the hash slinging slasher. Oh, actually. Yeah. That one is the, really the scary. Hash slinging, the slash slinging. <laughs> That is, I. that's where it comes from. The same thing with the fucking <laughs> spatula hand. And I think it's like um, episode two of Supernatural, too. Like, it's it's insane. I love it. But, um, I don't know, the one, like, spooky story that I heard as a kid that has always stuck with me was, I don't actually remember big details, but I just remember the general, like, premise was this house had a, like, a food cellar in the basement, and there was, like, somebody who died in the house like 
came out of the food cellar or something like that. I don't really remember. Yeah, I've never heard that one. Um, It was something to do with that. And the reason why it stuck with me is because my, like, old house, in my basement I had a food cellar. And so one, like, as a kid I was always scared of my basement. And then having, like, hearing that story and having, like, a food cellar, I would, if I were to go in my basement, I always would, like, run past it quick because I didn't want, like, some dead zombie person thing to come out and catch me. I've never heard of that one at all. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. Don't remember where I heard it. I'm sorry. Oh, that was beautiful. Thank you. Um, But, yeah, don't know where I heard it. Don't know when I heard it. Anything else about it? Just that. Yeah, I've actually, the one that, did you ever read uh, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark as a kid? No. No? No. That was, like, an insanely influential book for me because the art is, like, insane. Like, my tattoo sleeve is based off of the art from that book. Ah. Yeah, it's, like, super stringy and, like, just decaying, but, like, really, really cool. Highly recommend reading it, even if you're an adult. Totally recommend reading these books because in the books, it literally has in, like, parentheses, it's, like, if you're reading this aloud around a campfire, like, spring forward during this moment or, like, slam your hand against the desk during this. Scared the fuck out of me as a kid. And what you just said reminded me of this one, um, I forget, like, the actual thing that it said, but it was about, like, this fisherman who went into a house and he was just trying to seek shelter for the night and then he started hearing weird noises from the chimney and a head like a dismembered head eventually like Uh, dropped down from there i feel like maybe that story came from a book that i told yeah yeah i wouldn't be shocked i mean there were some that really stuck with me from those books because there are i think three or four of them they released a movie um Hmm. recently i think within the last two years yeah Yeah, which i mean it was it was fine it just tried to do too much but you know um the one that always stuck with me was that one, the the one where the dude turns into a scarecrow. That's terrifying to me and will always scare me. And I think the other one is the girl who got bitten by a spider on her face and then the spiders, like, came spiders out of the came bite. Out, yes. Yeah. Classic. Classic. Classic spider. Terrifying. I got bit by a spider at work. That's not great. You should probably no. get that checked out. No, I'm good. Are you sure? Yeah, it's not bad. You can't really... Uh, I don't know if you can. I know you guys listening can't. You can't even see it because it's in like a weird. It's you know yeah it's a little bruised. But you can't really see the two like spider like teeth marks. Terrifying. Did you see the spider Um, after it bit you? No, but like half my job is like outside. Yeah. And like then the other half is in like a closet office, so spiders are probably around me all the time. But yeah, I just like, I didn't feel anything. I just looked down and saw two holes in my arm. Not big ones, like really, really small ones. And I was like, oh, I probably got bit by a spider. It's not like, there's no swelling. Like, it doesn't hurt. That's good. I didn't good. Even feel it. So I was like, oh, I guess I'm fine. I, it's been like two days. I'm not like a huge, I don't like spiders. Um, I, like, if I see them from afar, I'm like, okay, yeah, that's fine. But like the thought of a spider crawling on me, I can't. Like, I will vomit. I don't like ladybugs. I think I knew that. Yeah, I've always I've been terrified of ladybugs for a long time. I you're not the only one in our friend group with a, an acute no. fear of ladybugs, which is kind no, of odd. No, I'm not. Yeah, I yeah, I'm I used not. to yeah. tease them about that all the time, constantly. Okay, 
what do you got for us this week? So I actually uh, got this idea from a writing course that I was taking with a group of amazing people. It just ended last night, so I'm a little emotional about it. Shout out you guys. Yeah, shout out to you guys. Um, But one of the extremely talented writers in our group wrote a story about a creepy hotel. Um, and I know, I know we've talked about it on here a couple of times. And when you think creepy hotel, you think of the Cecil. Cecil Hotel. Yeah. Not what I'm talking oh, about today. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Um, Holiday Inn? <laughs> yeah, the Holiday Inn actually on uh, Grand Avenue right down the street. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the one. Um, no, but there are actually plenty of, of haunted hotels. Uh, the Cecil is just the one with the most the, carnage, which yeah. I'm still open to covering an episode on that. But For I've sure. I, I got to take a break from it because I've reported on the Cecil so many times. So there's just so many different aspects that you can report on too. Like there is, there's a lot. Um, so I went with a different one. Uh, this one is actually the Hotel Belvedere in Baltimore, Maryland. I think I've heard of it. Oh, you definitely have because it okay. uh, it gained more popularity for its morbid history in Unsolved Mysteries, the reboot. Uh, the first episode is actually about Ray Rivera, who I'll touch on ah, a little bit, and yeah. that happens to be the hotel. I actually didn't know anything about the hotel until I watched that episode. Um, I had seen it a couple times because my family is from Baltimore. You see it from afar. Not a big deal. Um, it's gorgeous. It is honestly gorgeous. But yeah, I didn't know about its morbid history until uh, my my classmates started writing about it. And um, I looked more into cool. it and it's fucking terrifying. So we're just going to go through the history. Okay. Yeah. So the Belvedere first opened its doors on Chase Street on the night of December 10th, 1908, and earned its name from the Revolutionary War hero, John Edgar Howard, who served in the Continental Congress for three years following his stint in a Battle of Calpins, which took place in South Carolina. And mm-hmm. um, he, like, survived some weird war tragedy and got a silver medal of bravery for it. So he actually returned home to Baltimore and he opened an estate which was called the Belvedere and the name actually translated to the hotel once developers opened it. Oh. Yeah, super fun historical facts. So the hotel is an 11-story tan brick building that is 188 feet tall. It's well known for its French Second Empire crown and elaborate roof line. It's often been described as a castle of sorts and took the city by storm when it first opened. Um, I did not put this in here, but I read a lot about it from really, really good articles of this being like super influential for Baltimore at the time. Because, yeah, it was an up and coming city. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people kind of described it as getting like a sports team or getting like a stadium or just oh, wow. basically any Something type of really like, big. attraction. Yeah, yeah they yeah, were I guess that makes excited. sense for that time. 11-story building, pretty, you know, it's not huge, but around that time probably was. Yeah, it was, it was massive and super influential. Yeah. And yeah, they, they were trying, they were trying to get a lot of people to come into the city. Uh, I think at some point they were like, yeah, Baltimore's the next New York City, Um, which, you know, it, Baltimore's a good city. It is, it really Mm -hmm. is. Um, It's huge. It's massive. 
yeah, it's it's one of the bigger ones that you can go to. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think it was super, super good for them. The developers of the hotel were Parker and Thomas Construction Firm, and they later went on to design John Hawkins University. So they oh, they wow. struck up like a huge deal with the city. Like they wow. are widely part of the architectural history in Baltimore. That's super, super cool. cool. Yeah, interesting. Love yeah. it. I've mentioned John Hopkins University a couple times now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, little Albert experiment throwback. Oh. I know. I'm so sorry. It still makes me so sad. <laughs> Same. <laughs> The second the bell wait, wait, wait. Can a throwback to that episode. Remember how I talked about your foot fetish? How I like shut up. No, <laughs> I don't have one. Um, remember I talked about how I tricked my friends with like Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. Literally, like a couple weeks ago, got my friend's wedding invitation in the mail, and there was like a line for a song request, and everybody was like. Carly, are you gonna put Mobamba? And of I was like, <laughs> little do you guys know, like, I tricked you. This was a <laughs> sociological experiment the whole time. Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah, I just wanted to shut that out. I'm proud of you, you guys. This Thanks. is your legacy. I'm a scientist. <laughs> <laughs> So the second the Belvedere opened, it became frequently, uh, mm-hmm, yep, became frequented by not only celebrities, but known royalty as well. Ooh. Yeah. Notably, wow. Clark Gable and Carol Lombard, Gloria Swanson, John D. Rockefeller, Andrew Carnegie, the Duke and Duchess of Windsor, and nearly every U.S. president. Wow. Yeah, it was. Those are some big names. Absolutely, I had to look up who Clark Gable and Carol Lombard were. I'm not gonna lie, did not know who they were. Uh, yeah, they, I think they had like some very scandalous affair, and they were just like big names. And there was like a movie made about them starring them. Oh. It was a weird thing. Wow. I tried to get information on it, and then I didn't want to. So, yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, I was just gonna go along, pretend I knew who they were. Yeah, yeah, same. That's, but they were like among the most notable. Uh, People at that time. Okay. Yeah. Big, big Hollywood actors. Like many hotels at the time, it was a place of secrecy that had an underbelly of crime and scandal. Many people wished that the walls of the Belvedere could talk, and the closest we ever got was the policy on media that they instilled. There was a cordial relationship between those who worked at the hotel and those who reported it. There was actually a media tour reserved the day before the hotel opened to give newspapers a first look at the structure. Oh, wow. Yeah, so... That's pretty cool, though. I think uh, it started out as something that was really cool, but then it turned into something that was more of a bribery thing. Right. Um, they, the the owners of the hotel at the time and the developers had the, the same preconceptions that Walt Disney had, which was, if you want to have a good relationship with the media, you have to extend the hand first. Um, yeah. Which is, which is great in some it ways. It makes sense, but at the same time, like, it can really bite you in the back. Uh, yeah. Like, yeah. Really quickly. Exactly. So according to the Baltimore Magazine, Jim Brady later disclosed whenever somebody did a story that did well by the Belvedere, you could go up there and have a dinner on the house. It was in the days before codes and ethics were being formulated by newspapers. Mm. Yeah. And the dinners at the Belvedere. Oh, my God. Like they high class, class, five star chefs like you. They were known for their food. Like this is like the place. It was the place. It's insane. Mm. Yeah. Um, 
Subsequently, for the first 50 years of the hotel's operation, things were kept quiet, but that stopped when the Sun newspaper reported on the dinner mm, reported on the dinner and the box seats that the Belvedere provided them with. This broke the trust that the papers and the hotel had for so long, and it kind of like opened the floodgates. They were like, "We're no longer going to work with you," because now, you know, 50 years into into reporting, they're like, "We kind of have a moral construct." Um, on what should be reported and what should be kept quiet. And there are so many yeah. celebrities here, and we're just going to so fucking go for it. They're just like, we're going to, like, out you. Mm-hmm. Is that... Wow. Yeah, and the first report on it was, like I said, by the Sun newspaper, and they were essentially like, hey, we did go and we did enjoy this dinner, but they've been bribing us with this dinner for, like, 50 years in box seats at all the best stadiums. So, like... Wow. Yeah, so it immediately That's shattered their ruthless. relationship. Oh, for sure. So ruthless. Wow. Yeah, it's insane. And, like, was there any reasoning to why the Sun News did that? Or they're just like, eh, like, we're just going to let people know, like, why we're, we've always reported. You know what I you mean? You know, like, I'm not positive, but my guess would be that journalism was just changing as a whole. Um and, and it was kind of becoming more scandal than yeah. actual news. Yeah, it was becoming more scandal. And it was also um, to the point where um, people wanted that code of ethics. They trusted the newspapers. Because uh, right. I think, uh, what was it? It was the Billy Dunbar case that we, we talked about. How there were so mm-hmm. many different accounts. And this is when newspapers took a turn from not yellow bellying anymore and they were just like yeah Yeah. we're gonna we're really gonna give you the information that you want and i bet there was that glamour aspect to it too where they're like all these celebrities are here something has to happen right right yeah interesting Mm -hmm. from there the public learned extensive things about not only the hotel staff but those who resided there political and hollywood royalty alike were exposed in a matter of moments you had your normal hotel scandals like the entire kitchen staff that had had enough and walked out on a dinner service of 500 wow. yeah i commend them i've worked dinner services before and i'm proud of them for walking out but yeah. imagine walking out on your like five-star chef and being like i'm oh fucking done and just like imagine yeah fucking wow. 500 dinner service yeah that's crazy there were also a lot of complaints about noise levels. Um, so, like like I said, the, the normal hotel stuff. Uh, yeah. Opera singers would practice there a lot. Like, world-famous oh, opera that. singers. But, like, Not it disturbed the other guests. That. Yeah. I would hate that. Same. I would, I'm like, I don't care that you're fucking playing Carnegie Hall. Can you shut the fuck up? Yeah, <laughs> like, I'm just trying to sleep, dude. Like, Literally. relax. Yeah. So, uh, with, like, the celebrity scandals, there were also some of the more tragic elements. Uh, hotels of course. are, like, such transient places and uh, such non-committal places with, like, a lot of liminal areas that a lot of suicides happen there. A lot of crime happens mm. there. There's no commitment. Uh, and just because the Belvedere is fucking massive and home to all the stars does not mean that there was any shortage of, like, crime and, and suicides, mainly. Um, so trigger warning for the next couple of minutes, I am going to talk about a lot of suicides. You guys can skip through it if you want. Um, but, you know, I, I feel like I have yeah, to Yeah, just on trigger it. warning. Yeah, yeah so sure. just tread lightly. So, uh, the first documented death was six years after the hotel opened in 1909. Thomas Sutton Jr. was a 17-year-old boy who had an argument with his father and subsequently took his own life by inhaling an outrageous amount of chloroform. Whoa. Yeah, which I... How much is that? Like, 
I don't know, but that's, like, really extreme. It is, yeah, especially for Isn't the first it? death in the hotel walls. Like, that's I'm Like, lot. just, like, the whole, like, like, if you just, the scenario itself, like, having a fight with your parent, and you're like, all right. I'm just gonna, and the other like, thing. I'm not trying to, like, sh- like, you know. No, no, I, toes, but I like, feel that. Like, that that's is. That's very extreme. It is. I don't know what the argument was about. Um, his father was very influential, uh, with Baltimore businessmen, so oh. I don't know. There's probably like a lot of stuff lingering. I'm yeah. also a little confused by the logistics uh, because I, I was wondering, like, where does uh, where does one get chloroform? I feel like it'd be like, easier to get in 1909, but like when you hold your breath, right? If you pass out, you still continue to breathe. So like, you're gonna pass out before you die from chloroform. So, yeah. like, I'm kind of wondering about the logistics, but this is unfortunately the only news report was he died 1909 chloroform. Okay. Um, which a lot of this, actually, let me scroll up. Uh, a lot of the information I got was from the Baltimore Magazine. A shout out to them because they did an amazing piece on it, and I will link it below, um, about not only the history of the hotel, but, like, the people who tragically died there. Um, which, you know what, is never fun, but they did. No. They were very respectful about it. The next death was in June of 1917. A maid found blood seeping from underneath the bedroom door. When the room was open, they discovered a quote, unquote, a local society idol, Lawrence Perrin. He had a gun in one hand and stated in a letter that his reasoning was attributed to mental depression. Aww. Yeah, that's a lot of blood, too, to, like, seep through the bottom of the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The next death was in 1918. Only a year later, Carlisle P. Webster strangled his wife, Bernice Cheney Webster, who, according to the Baltimore Sun, stated in a letter, I have known the girl I married for nearly two years, and I could not believe certain things. I have loved her so much, so it is better that we die together. He had swallowed poison, but was found alive in his hotel room. What? What a fucking coward. Yeah, coward, asshole. Ugh. Yeah, he's basically like, I'm going to Romeo and Juliet this shit, but also not follow through. Just yeah, like Romeo and, was, and Juliet. Yeah, but he was probably like, haha, like, you know, this is, I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say. <laughs> like, you know, he was trying to be like, oh, this isn't who I married. Like, if you go out, I go out with you. Literally. Like, it's just him being a toxic he asshole honestly i got the vibes where he was just like you're not gonna want to live in a world without me how the fuck you know she could be a lesbian like how do you know yeah oh god (laughs) oh my god she could she could have lived without you but you killed her and then failed at killing yourself exactly exactly fucking ridiculous so the next is Harry C. Hassett, who was the president of merchandi- of a merchandising firm in Ohio. During his visit to the hotel in 1921, he took his own life by means of a gun. He had seemingly sent a telegraph to the police before doing so, stating that oh. someone was going to take their life at the hotel, but law enforcement was too late, and he had already died by the time that they arrived. That one's interesting. Yeah, I have because... a feeling he just seems sad to me. Like, it uh. just seems so sad to me. But, like, you know, sending out, like, a, a message saying, like, before you kill yourself is kind of a little spooky. Yeah. You know, like, 
I think it's spooky, and I also, I mean, I think telegraphs took a while to get to people at the time. That's true. And I feel like his train of thought, like, I'm mean, obviously I don't know what his train of thought was, but I feel like his reasoning would probably be attributed to, like, I don't want some hotel nurse to find me or hotel maid to find me. Right. Like, I want the police to be the one to find me. Yeah, because they're used somebody to that else's. shit. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So then in 1929, William Harvey King Jr. was found on the roof of the second floor sun parlor. He had fallen from the 10th floor, and to this oh. day, it's speculated whether he jumped to his death or was pushed. Seeing as he ha- he was the assistant to the president of the Baltimore Steam Packet Company, either theory is plausible. So, yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And in the same uh, the same year, actually, in 1991, I didn't get a lot of information on this one, a Yale student by the name of Lee Miltz Marlowe jumped from the eighth floor of the hotel and hit the street below, and he oh. did die instantly. Oh, that's... Yeah. Oh. Yep. So this one is actually the one that struck me the hardest. Uh, hmm, it's very sad. To me, anyway, I don't know. Uh... One of the incidents that occurred at the Belvedere while it operated as a hotel was reported in the Baltimore Magazine in May of 1936. The elevator malfunctioned when it was overloaded by passengers. Many of them panicked and exited, but two 21-year-old girls got their legs caught between the shaft and the ledge of the elevator, and they were trampled by those trying to escape. Oh, no. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's... That was that was one of the only accidents that occurred. Obviously, suicide's super sad, but they were also deliberate. Um, this yes. was just like Whereas pure bad luck. Just a yeah, bad accident. Yeah, and I'm I'm wondering. I mean, I don't know what elevators were like in 1936, but it sounds like there was a, a pretty sizable gap between right, the shaft yeah. and the ledge. So I don't I don't know. Like that's just it's really sad to me. And <gasps> deaths like that are so so sad. I don't know. There's. Uh, a channel on YouTube. I don't know the name of it off the top of my head, but I will link it down below uh, where this one guy does little short documentaries about 10 to 12 minutes about stuff like that that happens where it's like the fault of the architectural structure and like it's usually like concert crushes that happened or like which happened right. a lot. That's a yeah. lot oh, how yeah. people yeah. die. It's like people panic and they run and they can't get out. So. Yeah. Um, that's why single file is so important, you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, I think we, like, all saw what happened with the Travis Scott concert, sadly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the, it, it's never going to stop happening. Like, no, no matter how many precautions no. you have, it's not going to stop. Because people either push forward or pull back, and it's it's scary. It's pac Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. Yeah. So that was, unfortunately, one of the things that happened. Um, that was, like, the last kind of brutal thing that happened there. The only other scandal that I came across uh, while it was a hotel were the extravagant parties that they threw within the place. There was... Um, actually an underwater party where they like dumped Whoa. buckets of water in the ballroom like it what? insane what yeah it i mean like they didn't they basically covered the ballroom floor with water like whoever was in there whether royalty or, or hollywood royalty they were like fuck yeah make this as, stra- as extravagant as as you can so obviously there were That's some wild. immoral stuff that happened there like yeah, exotic cool. animals um, there were a lot of, like, snakes that were illegal at the time. There were kangaroos. I think there were tigers a couple times, um, which is a huge liability. I didn't see yeah. any, like, 
reports of anything bad happening there um, because of the animals, but that's still so fucked up. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> messed up. They, like, aren't supposed to be there. That's, yeah. That's a story for another time. Yeah, there was also a report. I just had to throw this in there because it's fucking ridiculous. Um, someone brought in a four-foot clam. Yeah. They brought in a four-foot clam, and they're like, this is a bed. Four. I will lay and bask on this four-foot clam, and... Everybody else, <gasps> fuck you. I hate that. I say I hate that. Oh. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. It's it's wild. Like I don't I don't understand. Um but yeah, I, I mean I just don't understand like the idea of like animals being I, like a material possession. Yeah, like, I, yeah. It's I mean again, tiger story for another time, but <laughs> <laughs> Tiger King. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, yeah, I don't get it. Um, and that's some of the stuff that came out once the the um, the news actually got their hands on stuff. They more reported on the party. And the thing that disturbed me the most is it, people didn't seem disturbed by it. They were just like, ooh, that's a cool party. Because, you know, 1936, they're not going to be right. like, eh, gross. Yeah. You guys are, are using animals to your own gain, which is so fucked up. But, yeah. Right. That I was like, the thing then. Ugh. Yeah, so um, this lasted for a very, very long time, into the late 30s, early 40s, um, but then the hotel kind of lost its charm. It At this point, it was around, like, 50 years old, so it was kind of getting a little bit run down. Obviously, if you dump, like, 14 buckets of water on the ground, you're going to have some structural damage. Mm-hmm. Like, it was, it was just losing its luster, so um, the hotel decided to change ownership, and it actually ended up changing ownership multiple times from that point by 1942 the sheraton hotel corporation took possession of the building and ran it successfully for another 22 years under the hyphenated name sheraton belvedere at this point baltimore was still a segregated city and it made history when the manager albert fox welcomed african-american guests increasing the business of the hotel significantly oh wow awesome yeah he was great i mean they were literally like i'm talking about water fountains bathrooms everything was still unfairly segregated so him just being like i don't give a fuck i love you albert yeah i love that like i love that you're amazing and he said i'm the owner of this well he wasn't the owner he was the manager i'm the owner of this bar i'm the owner of this establishment so fuck you (laughs) (laughs) yeah he he did an amazing thing there but unfortunately it did cause a huge uproar uh with the baltimore hotel association who threatened to revoke mm -hmm, who threatened to revoke the belvedere's membership forcing albert's hand to return the segregation of the hotel in january 1955 um wow they suck they do suck and i can i can see why he did it because they were part of the charm of the belvedere and why it was so successful it's because it was allowed to operate as a hotel and if they took that membership away then what like yeah yeah what are what are the employees gonna do everybody's fucked at that point in the building she's gonna rot so he was like okay you forced my hand um in 1968, the Sheraton Corporation was bought out by ITT, and that negatively affected the hotel. 
uh, ITT then sold it to a corporation by the name of Gotham Hotels, which I think is fucking hilarious. Oh, Batman. Batman, literally. <laughs> I've always thought that Gotham was a mix of Baltimore and Philly for some reason. I don't know why, but like yeah, they both I, give I me that. the same vibes. Yeah, I get that too. I get. I always thought it was somewhere maybe around that region. Of yeah, definitely East Coast city. Like it, it's. Oh yeah. It's no California. Yeah. Like yeah, it's yeah, for sure not yeah. gonna happen. I would never want to live there though. Like, could you imagine no. like paying off your car? I've seen so many moves like this with the <laughs> avengers too they're like imagine paying off your car and then the hawk just like fists it and throws right, it and right, you're like right i don't have avengers oh, insurance what do i do, what do, I do now <laughs> that would suck but yeah anyway um after gotham hotels bought it it actually sat abandoned for a very long time and the structure was like crumbling even more uh during the vacant period a businessman in baltimore was murdered in the lobby by one of his old employees and his body was transported Mm. to pennsylvania where he was rolled down a hill and left to decay Ooh, yeah super bad not good nope So Gotham later leased the hotel out to a crooked businessman, Dr. Millard G. Roberts. Roberts turned the hotel into a low rent dorm. Yeah, no, it's it's not good. He, I don't honestly, I didn't look more into this man because just his name, Dr. Millard G. Roberts, gave me like a slimy, filmy feeling. Yep, yep, yeah, didn't like it. He turned the hotel into a low rent dorm for colleges in the area because at this point, Baltimore is known for their schooling. There's about sixteen at this time 16 to 17 small universities and colleges uh including mm-hmm. john hopkins university right so you know low low income which would have been fine except he didn't keep up with it at all mm-hmm. um it actually became a drug dealing hub and trash was never accordingly dealt with so eventually the tenants just like busted out the windows of the ballroom and threw the trash down on the street below oh my god yeah because i mean like it was piling up and that the smell just has to be so like putrid and disgusting yeah for sure especially college kids like i can't even imagine yeah yeah dirty yeah and you know we've definitely lived in some some shady ass fucking places So uh, on top of that, there was also flooding and rot, and it eventually led the Baltimore City Council to shut down the building due to code violations. Oh, God. imagine like actually relying on that place to be like your home, your home, and they're like, "Nope, sorry, your management fucking sucks." Yeah, so that we're would... shutting it down. You got to get out. I'd be devastated. I honestly yeah. would be, especially I would... like I've been in bad situations as a college with money. student. Yeah. Exactly. Like, As a college student, them being like, you have to find another place to live. And I bet they were only like, you have 30 days to do this because. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm sick, yeah. guys. I have a pass. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that must suck. Yeah. So after the auction developer, Victor Frankel came in possession of the. Mm, I. I'm going to start that over again. After an auction, developer Victor Frankel came in possession of a hotel and wanted to restore it to its former glory. Um, at this point, he reopened uh, different parts of the hotel without opening the full thing because he still had a lot of work to do. There's okay. actually an infamous uh, place in the hotel that was known from the start. It's called the Owl Bar. There are these like hmm. extravagant carved owls just kind of everywhere in the bar. Um and he also installed a swimming pool and opened some shops in the lower levels of the hotel, like the nice. basement. Yeah, which was really cool. He was trying to turn it into more of a business park for the time being. Yeah. But 
also um, change it into where they were like higher class hotel areas. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. during the time he ran into a lot of issues, someone actually broke in and stole a bunch of the owls from oh. the bar, which I don't even know how that works. But they but broke like in and weird. they stole a bunch of stuff. He, like, put all of his money onto here. His um, son even said, like, this dude's in his 90s. I don't know why he's so attached to this hotel. But he oh. is. And he did as much as he could for it. He really did. That's um, so sad. Yeah, it definitely was. His son actually uh, got got the owls back or some of the owls oh, back and, and provided them for Victor. So Victor actually died with with a piece of the hotel which Aww. is super super nice um unfortunately he was forced to sell the building in 1991 and uh since then the hotel began to operate as a condominium but it has recently gained notoriety again with the rehashing of the strange death of ray rivera and uh the hotel did operate as condominiums when ray was found i will break down a little bit of the episode i don't want to take oh, up the whole yeah. thing um it's on Netflix. Highly recommend it. It's the first episode in the reboot of Unsolved Mysteries. Um, the only thing, bad thing about the reboot is you don't get the mystery solved right away. Um, and this one will stick with me forever. So it was July of 2020 when the episode aired and explained that his body was found in the Belvedere Hotel on May 24th, 2006. The Baltimore police were quick to state that it was suicide. According to them, he parked his car in a nearby lot and jumped from the top of a garage in the south wing of the Belvedere Hotel's like area. And he actually went through a hole in the roof <gasps> that he created. It, it it's a weird, Whoa. weird situation, and the episode breaks down diagrams and if this is even possible. Um, and he went into the conference room, and they found his body about a week after he did this. Like his wife is, his wife is like a force of nature. Love that woman. She speaks on the episode, narrates the whole entire episode. It's oh, just wow. devastated. And um, they, unfortunately, they found him like decomposed in this unused conference room, and mm. his death has not been solved since. Um, there were some some things going on in Ray's life with a company that he worked for that declined to have any any part in the episode, but there was some scandal that went on before he died. So, you know, it's just one of those cases where I'm like, how is this logistically possible? Right. Like, how? Like, it's just everything is so, I don't want to say perfect, but everything is so perfect that it doesn't make sense yeah because that ledge that i mentioned earlier is beautiful shots in the episode very well done i'm gonna like drive this home that you need to watch the episode um but it's very weird because they they kind of point out that like he couldn't have jumped from the only ledge in the belvedere he could have jumped from that and made it through where he did he'd have to like jump at like this weird diagonal angle so like there's no way it could have happened and then the only other thing that they could think of with like the hole and the amount of bones that he broke Mm -hmm. like that fall wouldn't probably even kill him or if it did it like wouldn't have broken that many bones he shattered like every bone in his body um so the only other thing like it was conclusive to a fall from like an airplane or like a helicopter way high up something yes something else yeah so i mean that opened up a can of worms and this hotel is fucking insane i mean i highly highly recommend doing some more research on it checking it out in its heyday i will link all the articles i use for this because it they're beautifully written um 
but yeah, you guys, seriously, I, I don't understand. I know the Cecil has like this massive reputation as this creepiest hotel, but I think this one's kind of up there in the running. Yeah, for sure. I mean, yeah, like it just, it seems like it has a lot of ties to just bad luck, essentially. Yeah, and I mean, I didn't even touch on, like, the hauntings of the Belvedere. I checked their website, and they basically said, like, yeah, this is meant to to have, like, a haunting, like, presence of history. I don't doubt that based off of just the stuff you've, like, spoken about. Yeah, and I mean, if celebrities really had uh, a good time there, they'd probably return there after they, yeah. they died, too. Like, it's just, I don't know. This hotel is fucking insane. It gives me the chills every single time. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. As I get the chills. <laughs> yeah. I think we forgot to mention that I'm the only one doing a story this episode. Yes. So yes, it's not yes. going to be like two hours long, you guys. <laughs> but yeah, that was, that's interesting. I've definitely heard of the hotel. Um, and I feel like I've heard of the Ray Rivera case before yeah. as well. But yeah, that like, that's a lot of bad history. It is. To it. And just, again, like, just not just death wise like just a ton of bad luck as well yeah shit happens in hotels man like i don't like staying at hotels i will take an airbnb any day because it feels not even more personal but like just the sheer uh like size of hotels freak me mm-hmm. out like i don't no, like I it. get that i get that yeah. yeah and like i don't know you just being like so close to a stranger kind of thing like in the like the person in the room next to you is a complete stranger I always like hated hotels because I was like, what if someone had a se- like had a sex had sex in this bed? Ew, I don't think about that because I like, do because I don't things. like it because you know they have. You know the old one time. Oh my god, one time we stayed at this hotel. Um, I don't. I think it was in Baltimore. Actually, we stayed at this hotel in Baltimore, and it was one of those those really really old hotels with like the coin slots right next to it where the bed will like vibrate oh. <laughs> it, was, it was so bad that's i think that's where i get my trauma from where i'm like oh people have definitely had sex in this bed yeah like i don't think about that when i go to hotels i don't like to think about it but you do but i do yeah <laughs> yeah no mine is like is that person in the elevator stalking me <laughs> so, yeah i could see that hotels freak me out i we have a where we went to school we have a lot of resorts instead of hotels so like it's hotels combined with stuff so like that i would go to like the pools at resorts of like friends who would go to myrtle beach for Mm -hmm. like a vacation or something and then i'd be like okay yeah i'll hang out in the pool but i never liked sleeping there yeah like they're gross they're nasty yeah Yeah, like just if you just really think of i'm staying at a hotel i'm like a couple months oh i'm helping oh but yeah I actually just, if I you just, guys start listening to our podcast more we'll go to the hotel and spend a night there yeah we will <laughs> you <laughs> don't seem, know when you seem pumped about that it, they're condos now so i don't think that's possible never um, mind dog but i will say if you come and visit me in in wyoming we can go to the uh the hotel the shining was filmed at ah yeah Ah, I know there's, like, a bed and breakfast, I don't know where in Wyoming, but, um, that, uh, John was telling me about when he, I think his dad stayed there when 
he was up in Wyoming. I could probably find it if I like. I think it's back, Cheyenne because I know there's a haunted bed and breakfast there. It probably is. Yeah. I don't know. We, there's a place in my. In, oh, do your shout out. That was my shout out. Oh, that shout out. Bed and breakfast. <laughs> if you even put that in, which you don't have to. I probably will because I mean we're kind of short on time because I sped through that. Um, we're at forty three minutes. Yeah. But then I have to cut out all the stupid stuff. I feel that like we I did, like stutter I feel, on. But I feel like we did good this time. I think we did too. I am going to be very excited for someone else to start editing because I hate the sound of my own voice. So um, like, <laughs> it's not that bad. But um, there's a place in town here. Uh, it's filled with history. Um, but there's a haunted piano that oh. just plays by itself. Uh, we also have a bar that used to be a brothel when Laramie first uh, became a place. Wow, and love that. Yeah, it's great. It's the floor's really sticky. The stairway Ew. is horrible. It's you know, only go there when you're like shit face drunk. Um, but there's a gun shot, like a bullet hole in the mirror behind the bar, and there's like a ton of stories behind it. And like oh. apparently in the 1800s, this woman caught her husband with someone else Wait, at the bar. I think I know this story. Yeah, yeah, because she shot through the window. Yeah, and yeah. It, pierce the the mirror behind the bar and it's still there Ooh, maybe we should talk about that in an episode. no it's uh disease ridden i feel like if i got like i would get tetanus <laughs> there i would definitely get tetanus there do it for do it for the vine do it for the vine <laughs> i have gotten tetanus there i don't <laughs> it's not that bad um but yeah, but yeah. That, was a, that was but yeah but yeah <laughs> no that was super interesting and I just feel like, I don't know, every, again, like you said, everybody just automatically thinks of the Cecil Hotel when they think mm-hmm. of haunted or, like, paranormal. We should definitely do an episode on it. I agree. If you guys want to see it, let so us much. know. Maybe next week. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about that in a minute. <laughs> Words. <laughs> thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, again, thank you guys for being patient with us as we took a week off. Um... But yeah, if you have any suggestions on stories, cases, anything like that that you'd like to hear, feel free to either email us at coasttoghostsubmissions at gmail.com or shoot us a DM on Instagram at c2gpod. Yeah, please do. And also, um, if you're listening on Apple Music or Spotify, Spotify just uh, added some reviewing systems to their podcast. So we would totally appreciate it if you guys uh, left us some comments. Yeah, and... Thanks for listening. (laughs) Did you just hear my stomach growl? No, I didn't. Oh my god, I'm starving.